Hello, and welcome again to Video Zone. This is the fourth installment of the four mini-episodes. Four pilots, maybe you could call them. And in this last one, I'm going to discuss a film called The Last Days of Disco. A videotape lamenting the end of the disco era, which I found interesting to talk about on my show about the end of the video era. The Last Days of Disco is the third in a trilogy of conversational films by Whit Stillman. After Metropolitan in 1990 and Barcelona in 94, he calls it his doomed bourgeois in love series, which all deal with the semi-autobiographical experiences of preppy Ivy League graduates as they mingle with mixed results. Kind of like a really snobby brat pack or a modern American equivalent of a Jane Austen comedy of manners. As for the cast, Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Savini play roommates with opposite personalities working in a publishing house, falling in and out of relationships and negotiating their way around the New York disco scene of the very early 80s. Uh, it also stars Chris Eigman, who was in all three of the aforementioned Stillman films. I think his appearance and general demeanor exude a certain kind of rich privilege and moral apathy that defines the tone of Stillman's movies. Not surprisingly, Whit Stillman is a filmmaker whose work is critically acclaimed and commercially disastrous. The American people wanted to see a bunch of yuppie wankers dancing to disco in the 90s about as much as they did at the time. For mainstream, white, conservative, football-loving middle America, disco represented everything they were afraid of or outright against. Gays, blacks, Jews, libertines, drug users and the kind of Harvard snobs that fill out the cast of this film, and all of Whit Stillman's films for that matter. People who didn't like disco hated it so much that disco demolition nights were organized at baseball games, where crates full of disco records would be blown up or set alight between games, cheered on by jocks and bogans. One of these is shown toward the end of the movie, you know, spelling the end of an era. To be fair, though I enjoy his films, I'm not a huge fan of disco. You know, I like the odd track now and then, but to be swamped by it as one would be at the time would have probably been unbearable. Even so, the sheer Neanderthal bonfire ritual of a disco demolition day does drive home the idea that hatred of disco might have been about more than just the music. Although the film deals specifically with the genre of disco music, the genre is inextricably linked to vinyl, and its last days more or less coincided with those of vinyl to be replaced by cassettes. And it's interesting comparing records to videos. Vinyl carries a lot of uh, sentimental value, and it's gone on to experience a, a cultural resurgence. And meanwhile, videotapes are sitting there accumulating dust in some skip bin that used to be a video shop or they're, they're a mainstay of the nobody cares shelf at foot level of a Sally's in Kilburnie. And I was thinking, why is that? Why do we attach sentimentality, well, some of us, to uh, physical copies of music? And I was thinking about it. Music being a passive medium is, is easier to make memories around. Someone broke your heart, so you went home and, and listened to Leonard Cohen and you really felt it and so it kind of reminds you of that feeling. Or you're at a party and let's say, I don't know, Limp Biscuit is playing in the background, but everyone's singing along 
or the Beatles are on in the background that time you won a million dollars. The most vivid memories are visual. And what you hear takes you back to that visuality. And so there's a sentimental thing attached to physical audio such as vinyl, whereas video requires your eyes and ears. And so any memory you have of a scene, say in a movie, is not related to any external factor outside the content itself. It's not, this is the movie I was watching when I did this. Because every memory you have of watching a movie is you sitting there with one shoe off, with potato chips down your front. Nothing's really going on except you're sitting watching a movie. And also because music is less immersive than video, we have albums that we're really digging at the moment, and we put those records on all the time. Because movies require more of our attention, we tend not to watch the same one very often, but an album we can have on in the background. For, for that reason, music is more conducive to collecting. But why do we have this approach to movies? You know, listening to your favorite album once a week is normal, but watching your favorite movie that often is a bit weird. Now, as well as being audiovisual and requiring more focus from the uh, consumer, another reason is that physical copies of music were a thing long before movies were available to watch at home. Vinyl had been around since the 1920s, maybe even the 10s, and only as vinyl started to die out in the early 80s did it become possible to buy a movie on home video. Historically, we're way more used to owning music than owning movies. Even in the golden age of VHS, if you remember, video was a pain in the ass. You know, you had a few tapes lying around that you taped off TV, maybe one that you went out and bought, you know, oh, I gotta have Goodfellas. So now you own Goodfellas, but you never watch it, you know? The novelty has gone from Goodfellas. Rentals were like these mystical, transient things that aren't yours, and you have to bring it back to the video shop at a certain time. They're like Cinderella. It has to end at some point, so you watch it three times in a row because you know it's going to be gone soon. Ah, the rental tape. Mistress of the dark, wasn't she? You know? You go down to solicit her at night from some seedy part of town, pay her for her time, take her back to your place, have your sordid way with her, and then hand her back to that nerdy, acne-ridden pimp behind the counter when you're done. She's been around. Oh, she's seen it all. She's been working the beat since 85. You're going to need head cleaner. Before and after. Although The Last Days of Disco was not a hit, it came out at a time where independent film was still a comparatively viable market, where the movie might not be a hit, but studios were more keen to take a chance on an indie director. And the films were cheap to make, and you never know, you might get huge reward. You might find the next Tarantino, for example. And The Last Days of Disco is still a fun watch, whether you happen to like disco or otherwise. And that wraps up Video Zone for a fourth time. See you again, maybe next week, or in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs>